Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. This is what this morning is all about, us just celebrating your word, rejoicing in your word, opening your word, and sharing your word. And we pray that we do it with joy, anticipation, and worship of you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen. Uh, You can be seated. And this morning, uh, we're starting a new, not a whole message where we're focusing on specifically uh, what God shares to us through his word. And how many of you guys were here last week? Yeah, okay. Uh, so some of you guys remember there was a guy named Pastor Mark um, Berkshire who was here. Uh, how did he do? Hopefully he did good. Okay. Um, okay, if you guys said no, I'd have to edit that out of the message. But um, yeah, hopefully he did good and you guys enjoyed it. But he shared a couple of things, and I just want to bring those back because they tie into what we're talking about this morning. And he said that God wants us to have faith in him to put our faith and our trust in him, to be able to believe what he says and to be able to, you know, put our trust in him, uh, that God wants us to follow him, uh, not just, hey, God, we kind of believe you, we think you believe you, but we believe you, we're applying your words to our lives and we're going out to do what you have called us to do, to share and to show the love of Christ uh, to people, tell them about your love, show them love the way we treat one another, and also to invite people to be recipients of God's love. So we're uh, going out to do that. But then also he said to have fellowship with him, to engage with him, uh, not just on a Sunday morning basis, but on a regular and consistent basis to be able to just get to know God and have him get to know us. Now, uh, let me change tactic for a minute, because in order for us to do all of that, God shares with us his word. But um, there's a, what we're going to look at today is something that God shared in his word, uh, but it's been kind of a different tactic has been applied to it today. Because today, a lots of um, studying this week, a lot of our children, young adults, teens, whatever, they're all going back to school, either whether it be a college campus, high school, middle school, whatever. Uh, they're going back to school. And there's this phrase that they're going to hear when they're back in school. They're going to get inundated with it, not so much in the middle school and high school, maybe a little bit in high school, but definitely on the college campuses. And those who are transitioning from a college or school mentality into a work mentality, they're going to hear this phrase a lot. Uh, And it's a phrase called a safe place, right? And it has two meanings. First, uh, the first meaning is definitely for wherever we're educating our students and our children, wherever they're going, that it be safe that they feel safe, that they're, you know, that that terrorists aren't going to get in, that they're not going to get bullied, that they're not going to get attacked, that they're not going to be harmed, because you shouldn't have to worry about, you know, am I going to make it home today just because you're going to class somewhere? That shouldn't be something that our students and our children have to think about. The other mentality and the other use of the phrase is a safe place not so much high school, more college campuses and in the workplaces, is there is a safe place for me to share what I think or believe without being threatened or attacked because my beliefs or my ideas differ from yours. So if I'm sitting at work and you say Trump is a great president and someone else says no, he's not, that 
okay, we shared our opinion, but one's not going to attack the other or vilify the other or try to get, you know, you know, get him out of the work click because he likes Trump or he doesn't like Trump, but that there's a safe place to share those ideas without being attacked, right? That should be the default, in my opinion, anyway, that wherever we go, that, uh, you know, if you share your opinion, as long as you're not vilifying, attacking, or, or demeaning someone, that it should be okay. I disagree with you, and I'm going to move on through the, you know, cashier line. I'm not going to take 10 minutes to turn around and tell you why you are wrong and should never have been born which has happened before to several people. Uh, but long before these definitions came in, God talked about creating a safe place. Uh, in Psalm 91, some of you are familiar with it. Um, if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 91. And if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll have someone get one. There should be one under the chair on the table somewhere around you. Um, but in Psalm 91, now Psalm 90, which is not what we're looking at today, was written by Moses. Psalm 91 doesn't have an ascribed author. Now, many people believe since in Psalm 90, Moses was kind of talking about what God had done in the desert, and Psalm 91 talks about protecting God's people, that they think that, hey, Moses probably wrote Psalm 91 as well, which could be the case. We don't know for sure. God doesn't tell us in his word, so it's not up for me to kind of like challenge that. Um, but it's a possibility, but since Psalm 91 doesn't tell us who wrote it, uh, we just don't know. So uh, turn to Psalm 91, and it's short, so we're going we're gonna to jump through this quickly. Psalm 91, verse 1, says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now that word, Most High, that phrase, Most High, it's, it's, it's the uh, word in Hebrew, Elion, which means the, the highest God, not like you're a God, but you're the God. There is no God above you. Uh, there's no one with more power. You're the highest God there is, right? Which may not play into thinking for us, but in a lot of religions, like if you think of, and I hate to go there, but in the comic book world and also in Norse mythology, Thor, coming out in November. Anyone who wants to go see it with me, we can go one Sunday after church. I'm all up for it. And you're in. Okay. Thor, God of Thunder. But he has a dad who is more powerful than him, Odin, who is like the all-father. But Odin eventually got dethroned. That doesn't apply to God. There is no one that can dethrone him. There is no one more powerful than him. He doesn't answer to anyone. He does as he pleases because he is God. Now, he says, the, uh, the writer says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And he uses two different phrases. Almighty is Shaddai. When we think of God, we, he's called the El Shaddai because he's the most powerful God. And it makes sense, if you're the top God there is, that no one should be more powerful than you. And then he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, meaning a safe place, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, and from the deadly pestilence. Now, the fowler's snare is, is a reference to those people that are coming after you, hunting you down. Again, this is kind of why people think it might have been Moses who wrote this, because as they were, the Israelites were in the desert and starting to take over areas, people started coming after them. He will cover you with his feathers, which is protection, and under his wings you will find refuge, meaning provision. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that, starks, that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, I got, I'm, I'm going to stop here and do a sidebar because uh, at the church I was at in Virginia, uh, we did a kind of like a voiceover with a video. How many remember like the whole Lord of the Ring trilogy? thought that was my fault. Whole Lord of the Ring trilogies, all the Lord of the Ring movies. Uh, we took bits and pieces of that, and there was a woman who read Psalm 91. And at the portion where it said, a thousand may fall at your side, uh, it was a picture of, I forget the name of the tree, when the trees came in and they were just like stomping people. What is it? Yeah, it was just stomping people. And it was really awesome. I got to find that and try to post online. But the author here is he's giving, and again, we don't know who it is, but he's, he's, he's telling us here's why we can trust not only in God for his physical protection, but for his divine protection. And he says that, first of all, our God is God above all other gods. There's no one above him. There's no one more powerful than him. There's no one that he has to answer to. He doesn't have to go back and check with. He doesn't report to anyone. And because of that, he can provide safety. Because he doesn't have to check with anyone or anything to see if can I protect you. He just does as he pleases. And he offers no fear. Now, right now, in our culture, right, not just in the U.S., but kind of globally, there is so much fear, this fear of global warming, this fear of people who aren't doing anything about global warming, uh, this fear of uh, what the economic crisis is, this fear of what happens if we let refugees in, this fear of what happens if we don't let refugees in, what happens to them, this fear of terrorism, and I kid you not, this is just me, I watched, which I probably shouldn't have, these two documentaries on food, and I'm like afraid to eat anything right now because they're like, they're like sugar is bad for you, dairy is bad for you, meat is bad for you. The only thing you should be eating is vegetables, but then you turn on the news and all these vegetables are being recalled because of E. coli and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what can you eat? So there's like, I mean, that's just me, but there's fear of all kind of things in our culture. Uh, our communities are kind of, I won't say ruled by fear, but almost ruled by fear. And some people, especially people sending their kids back to school now, are they going to be safe? I don't want my kid getting bullied. I don't want my kid getting beat up. I don't want someone breaking into the school. I don't want the drugs that are going through the school. And, you know, I'm trying to find a decent way to say this. I don't know any decent way to say this. I don't want all the teachers that are there, nothing against teachers, hitting on my kids. Because every time you turn on the news, it seems another teacher is getting busted for doing something with kids that they shouldn't have done. So there is real fear. But what God is saying in his word is, hey, instead of that spirit of fear, we can have that spirit of peace. It's not that those things aren't there, but that also our God is there. And our God is able to prevail where we allow him to and where we open the door and say, yeah, God, I want you there. So in verse 9, let me jump back. Verse 9, he says, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge. Now, let me, let me pause for a minute, because when he says, if you make the most high your dwelling, the second time he said it, it's not if you come to church on Sunday mornings. It's not if you occasionally, and nothing against all the people that are missing. I know people have been gone all summer and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's not, hey, if you just casually, you know, say, like, I know God, like, I can probably say, yeah, I know, what's our rep's name? Rick Chacon. Met him once. I don't know him. I know of him. And this isn't for people who know of God. 
This is for people who make God, he says, make it your dwelling place. And your homes, that's where you wake up, that's where you go to bed, that's where you comfort, you make it the way you want, and you spend time there. This is for people who are willing to take the time to get to know and engage in God. And for those people, he says, uh, who make the Lord their dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels, and that word is messengers, again, uh, the Hebrew word messengers, specifically messengers sent out, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, this is the verse that Satan used when he was speaking to Jesus. And he was challenging Jesus and using the scriptures. And Jesus came back and said, you cannot take, this is not the verbiage he said, but you cannot take the scripture out of context. Because there are people who say, hey, you know what? If all these angelic beings are out there protecting people, why is there so much harm being done? And because even though they, they are under the authority of God, they still have to obey the authority of God, which says, I'm not going to violate your free will. The sad part is, that's even the free will of those who want to do harm to others. Yep, try to prevent it. Yep, put things in place. But if Gary really, really decides one day he wants to come in here, pull a gun, and shoot me to death, I mean, you know, angels can step in. God can step in. God will try to, but God's not going to violate Gary's free will. Hopefully some of you will, if you see him pull that gun, but God's not going to violate his free will. But he goes on, he says, you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, you'll trample the great lion and the serpent. And here's, here's the thing, I wanna, uh, I'm going to take a pause uh, because there's a lot of talk about spiritual beings and angels and what can angels do and what can't they do. Uh, so let me just shift for a second because this is talking about the main resource that God is going to use to protect us is spiritual beings or angelic beings. And a lot of people don't know. Uh, our thing of angels is they're pretty long-haired winged creatures Sometimes they have a sword. That's what most people think, and that's not exactly the case. There are actually several different types of angels, but they're all spiritual beings because the author of Hebrews writes this in chapter 1, verse 14, are not the angels all, all of them, all of them, every single one, ministering spirits or servants sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? So the author of Hebrews says, hey, there's angelic beings, but every single one of them, all of the ones who listen to and obey God, because there's a host that reject, that rebelled against God, and those have been cast out of heaven. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us that the worst, worst of those ones are caged up until the end times. Whole nother sermon. Uh, but he says every single one, all of them, are, first of all, they're ministering spirits. They're spiritual beings. They're not flesh and blood. And they are sent out to serve God. Uh, I think it's the King James and several other versions say they're ministering spirits. They're sent to minister to humanity. They're here to help us. Excuse me. Now, there are several types of angels. Uh, there's an archangel, which the Bible only mentions one by name, and that's Michael. There are messenger angels, ones who are sent messages. There are cherubim, seraphim, and living creatures. Now, archangel, again, Bible only mentions one. But there's verbiage in places to indicate that there might be more than one. I lean towards, this is the only one it's spoken of, so it's probably, he's the arch, meaning the chiefest. He's the head of all the angels. But you could have angels, you know, the head of this department, head of that department. 
I don't know how God's running things, not for me to question. But uh, in Jude 9, it says, when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. If you look from Genesis through Revelation, only one named as an although it mentions the term and the phrase archangel, other places, the only one that's mentioned is Michael. Um, and then in Daniel, it talks about the messenger angels, angels that are specific their specific role is to deliver messages. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, it says, while I was speaking, this is Daniel talking about his instance and his occurrence, and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift light at the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, angels showed up a lot of time in the Old Testament, and they were they had the appearance of a man. If I show up with big giant wings, you're probably not going to think it's just a man. Now, they had other features, like I think uh, he describes him as being bronze and he had on a robe and a glow about him and all kind of weird stuff that makes you think this is a man, but he's, he's got to be something from God because he doesn't look like the average man, but he looks like a man. Now, obviously... Uh, he flew because he said he came to me in swift flight. And then he said, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and that word that went out was from God. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And he goes on to say that this particular angel was dispatched. The moment he started praying to God, God dispatched an angel to respond to him and to bring clarity to him. And if you look in the New Testament, Gabriel is the one who appears and says, you know, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. He appears to the parents of John the Baptist to give a message to them. So there are messenger angels, but there are also in the book of Genesis, and I think these are awesome, but they're not my favorite, uh, what are called the cherubim. And he, meaning God, drove out the man, and this is after the fall, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, for whatever reason, I think it's pretty awesome that the tree of life is still on earth, okay? If God had intentions of taking it, there would no need to be put a guard there. So from a biblical perspective, God's like, this is going to be on earth. I'm going to put a guard there so no one can beat it. And the guard that he put there is a cherubim. And if you Google cherubim, you come up with pretty, like, little, you know, baby angel-like things with wings and all this kind of stuff. That's not a guard, right? So if you think about, uh, I, I don't know, think about a famous person, whoever that is. If they come walking down the street and they have a bodyguard, and their bodyguard kind of is like, you know, like four foot nine and only weighs like 75 pounds, you're not going to think that's their guard. Their guard is probably overwhelming and very powerful and big so that there's intimidation for you not to approach. And that's what cherubim look like. Plus, if you got a flaming sword, you're just awesome right off the bat. Right? And then um, in Isaiah, now these, that was cherubim. These are seraphim. Some of you are familiar with this passage. In the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. 
Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So these seraphim had six wings. Doesn't describe what their bodies looked like. Uh, but they were flying around. They, we know they had feet. We know they had a face because they were using their wings to cover it. But my favorite of all are the living creatures because it gives us a picture of, we have in our minds, it's like if you stop and try to picture all the dinosaurs and all these other creatures that live, um, I don't think we fully grasp all the extent of the creatures that probably walk the earth at some time because we're just accustomed to cat, dog, monkey, cow. You know, the normal things that we see. But here in uh, the book of Revelation, we're told as uh, John, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, he says, and before the throne there, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. So these, whatever these creatures are, and he's about to describe what they look like, they have eyes in front of them, they have eyes behind them, which is weird, but kind of cool. And then he says, the first living creature, like a lion, the second, like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And then he goes on and he says, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, 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 as the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So our concept of, of angels is kind of limited because we tend to think of, you know, the TV shows we see, Touched by an Angel, all that kind of stuff. But there are so many types of angels, and even though there are various types, they can also, you know, as the Bible tells us, have different roles. So they're the ones that minister to people. There are the guardian angels. Uh, there are the avenging angels, all of them, you know, uh, carrying out God's wrath or doing whatever God has called them to do. But more important than how God protects us using these angels and whatever resources is the reason why God protects us. Why God creates this safe space. So I'm going to put the rest of uh, Psalm 91 up on the screen. And the author of, of Psalm 91 says, because he holds fast to me in love. In other words, this is God speaking now. And the author is saying, this is why God does it. Because we, whoever believes in him, whoever makes him his dwelling place, whoever is, uh, as, as Pastor Mark talked about, whoever is willing to put their faith in him and have fellowship with him and follow him, uh, then God says, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will honor him. God says, for anyone who's willing to take that time and get into relationship with me, then yeah, I'm going to send out, I'm going to dispatch my angelic forces, and I'm going to, because you love me, I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to protect you. When you call to me, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to be with you in times of trouble. I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to honor you. And most importantly, he says, I'm going to satisfy you and show you my salvation. So as the band comes up, I'm just going to uh, pray real quick as we begin to close. God, we, we pray for all, all those people heading back to school. We pray for the students. We pray for the families. We pray for the teachers. We pray for the administration. We pray for all of those who are heading back to workplaces after the summer off. 
And we pray that they would experience that safe place, not just where it's safe to share their ideas, but where it's safe to dwell in you, to rest in you, to trust in you, to fellowship with you. And we, God, we, we pray that all of those who do, all of those who, as your word says, make you their dwelling place, that they would receive this, that they would know that you will protect them. You will deliver them. You will answer them. You'll be with them. You'll rescue them. And you'll honor them. And we pray that as the author of Psalm 91 says, that we would know that that only comes not from anyone else, only from you as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear God, we bow down and humble ourselves in your presence this morning. Despite all the things going on in our culture, in our nation, globally, despite all the fears that we could have of what could happen and people that intend to harm us, we're going to do what your word says. And we're going to entrust our lives, entrust our children, entrust our families to you. And pray that you will keep them safe, that you will protect them, and that you will deliver them from harm, just as your word says. And we're not going to get angry or upset when we see the atrocities that we see, we're just going to know that this is a fallen world that desperately needs the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray that we can be a part of showing that love and sharing that love and inviting people to be recipients of that love. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.